The Book of a Thousand Nights and a Night, Volume 1, Section 6. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For further information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Volume 1 of The Book of a Thousand Nights and a Night, translated by Richard Burton. Section 6. After this, the Sultan turned towards the young prince, and said, O youth, thou hast removed one grief, only to add another grief. But now, O my friend, where is she, and where is the mausoleum, wherein lieth the wounded slave? The slave lieth under yon dome, quoth the young man, and she sitteth in the chamber, fronting yonder door. And every day at sunrise she cometh forth, and first strippeth me, and whippeth me with an hundred strokes of the leathern scourge, and I weep and shriek, but there is no power of motion in my lower limbs to keep her off. After ending her tormenting me, she visiteth the slave, bringing him wine and boiled meats, and to-morrow at an early hour she will be here. Quoth the king, By Allah, O youth, I will assuredly do thee a good deed, which the world shall not willingly let die, and an act of daring do, which shall be chronicled long after I am dead and gone by. Then the king sat him by the side of the young prince, and talked till nightfall, when he lay down and slept. But as soon as the false dawn showed, he arose, and doffing his outer garments, bared his blade, and hastened to the place wherein lay the slave. Then he was ware of lighted candles and lamps, and the perfume of incenses and unguents, and directed by these he made for the slave, and struck him one stroke, killing him on the spot, after which he lifted him on his back, and threw him into a well that was in the palace. Presently he returned, and donning the slave's gear, lay down at length within the mausoleum, with the drawn sword laid close to and along his side. After an hour or so the accursed witch came, and first, going to her husband, she stripped off his clothes, and taking a whip, flogged him cruelly, while he cried out, Ah, enough for me, the case I am in! Take pity on me, O my cousin! But she replied, Didst thou take pity on me, and spare the life of my true love, on whom I doted? Then she drew the silice over his raw and bleeding skin, and threw the robe upon all, and went down to the slave with a goblet of wine and a bowl of meat broth in her hands. She entered under the dome, weeping and wailing, well away, and crying, O oh my lord, speak a word to me, O oh my master, talk a while with me, and began to recite these couplets. How long this harshness, this unlove shall bide? Suffice thee not, tear-floods thou hast espied? Thou dost prolong our parting purposely, And if wouldst please my foe, thou'rt satisfied. Then she wept again, and said, O oh my lord, speak to me, talk with me. The king lowered his voice, and twisting his tongue, Spoke after the fashion of the blackamoors, and said, Lack, lack, there be no majesty, and there be no might, save in Allah, the glorious, the great. Now when she heard these words, she shouted for joy, and fell to the ground fainting, and when her senses returned, she asked, O oh my lord, can it be true that thou hast power of speech? And the king, making his voice small and faint, answered, O oh my cuss, dost thou deserve that I talk to thee? 
and speak with thee? Why and wherefore, rejoined she? And he replied, The why is that all the live-long day thou tormentest thy hubby, and he keeps calling on heaven for aid, until sleep is strange to me even from evening till morning. And he prays and damns, cussing us two, me and thee, causing me disquiet and much bother. Were this not so, I should long ago have got my health, and it is this which prevents my answering thee. Quoth she, With thy leave I will release him from what spell is on him. And quoth the king, Release him, and let's have some rest. She cried, To hear is to obey. And going from the cenotaph to the palace, she took a metal bowl, and filled it with water, and spake over it certain words, which made the contents bubble and boil as a cauldron seetheth over the fire. With this she sprinkled her husband, saying, By virtue of the dread words I have spoken, if thou becamest thus by my spells, come forth out of that form into thine own former form. And lo and behold, the young man shook and trembled, then rose to his feet, and rejoicing at his deliverance, cried aloud, I testify that there is no God but the God, and in very truth Mohammed is his apostle, whom Allah bless and keep. Then she said to him, Go forth and return not hither, for if thou do I will surely slay thee, screaming these words in his face. So he went from between her hands, and she returned to the dome, and going down to the sepulchre, she said, O my lord, come forth to me, that I may look upon thee and thy goodliness. The king replied in faint, low words, What thing hast thou done? Thou hast rid me of the branch, but not of the root. She asked, O my darling, O my negro king, what is the root? And he answered, Fie on thee, O my cuss! The people of this city and of the four islands, every night when it's half past, lift their heads from the tank in which thou hast turned them to fishes, and cry to heaven, and call down its anger on me and thee, and this is the reason why my body's balked from health. Go at once and set them free, then come to me and take my hand, and raise me up, for a little strength is already back in me. When she heard the king's words, and she still supposed him to be the slave, she cried joyously, O my master, on my head and on my eyes be thy command. Bismillah! So she sprang to her feet, and full of joy and gladness ran down to the tarn, and took a little of its water in the palm of her hand. And Shahrazad perceived the dawn of the day, and ceased to say her permitted say. When it was the ninth night, she said, it hath reached me, O auspicious king, that when the young woman, the sorceress, took in hand some of the tarn water, and spake over it words not to be understood, the fishes lifted their heads, and stood up on the instant like men, the spell on the people of the city having been removed. What was the lake again became a crowded capital. The bazaars were thronged with folk who bought and sold. Each citizen was occupied with his own calling, and the four hills became islands, as they were whilom. Then the young woman, that wicked sorceress, returned to the king, and still thinking he was the negro, said to him, O oh, my love, stretch forth thy honoured hand, that I may assist thee to rise. Nearer to me, quoth the king, in a faint and feigned tone. She came close as to embrace him, when he took up the sword lying hid by his side, 
and smote her across the breast, so that the point showed gleaming behind her back. Then he smote her a second time, and cut her in twain, and cast her to the ground in two halves. After which he fared forth, and found the young man, now freed from the spell, awaiting him, and gave him joy of his happy release, while the king kissed his hand with abundant thanks. Quoth the king, Wilt thou abide in this city, or go with me to my capital? Quoth the youth, O king of the age, wottest thou not what journey is between thee and thy city? Two days and a half, answered he. Whereupon said the other, And thou be sleeping, O king, awake! Between thee and thy city is a year's march for a well-girt walker, and thou haddest not come hither in two days and a half, save that the city was under enchantment. And I, O king, will never part from thee, no, not even for the twinkling of an eye. The king rejoiced at his words, and said, Thanks be to Allah, who hath bestowed thee upon me. From this hour thou art my son, and my only son, for that in all my life I have never been blessed with issue. Thereupon they embraced, and joyed with exceeding great joy, and reaching the palace, the prince who had been spellbound informed his lords and his grandees that he was about to visit the holy places as a pilgrim, and bade them get ready all things necessary for the occasion. The preparations lasted ten days, after which he set out with the sultan, whose heart burned in yearning for his city whence he had been absent a whole twelve months. They journeyed with an escort of Mamelukes, carrying all manner of precious gifts and rarities. Nor stinted they wayfaring day and night for a full year, until they approached the Sultan's capital, and sent on messengers to announce their coming. Then the Wazir and the whole army came out to meet him in joy and gladness, for they had given up all hope of ever seeing their king, and the troops kissed the ground before him, and wished him joy of his safety. He entered and took seat upon his throne, and the minister came before him, and when acquainted with all that had befallen the young prince, he congratulated him on his narrow escape. When order was restored throughout the land, the king gave largesse to many of his people, and said to the wazir, Hither the fisherman who brought us the fishes. So he sent for the man who had been the first cause of the city and the citizens being delivered from enchantment, and when he came into the presence, the sultan bestowed upon him a dress of honour, and questioned him of his condition, and whether he had children. The fisherman gave him to know that he had two daughters and a son, so the king sent for them, and taking one daughter to wife, gave the other to the young prince, and made the son his head treasurer. Furthermore he invested his wazir with the sultanate of the city in the Black Islands, while on belonging to the young prince, and dispatched him the escort of fifty armed slaves, together with dresses of honour for all the emirs and grandees. The wazir kissed hands, and fared forth on his way, while the sultan and the prince abode at home in all the solace and the delight of life and the fisherman became the richest man of his age, and his daughters wived with kings, until death came to them. And yet, O king, this is not more wondrous than the story of the porter and the three ladies of Baghdad. Once upon a time there was a porter in Baghdad, who was a bachelor, and who would remain unmarried. It came to pass on a certain day, as he stood about the street, leaning idly upon his crate, behold, there stood before him an honourable woman in a mantilla of Mosul silk, 
broidered with gold and bordered with brocade. Her walking shoes were also purfled with gold, and her hair floated in long plaits. She raised her face-veil, and showing two black eyes fringed with jetty lashes, whose glances were soft and languishing, and whose perfect beauty was ever blandishing, she accosted the porter, and said in the suavest tones and choicest language, Take up thy crate, and follow me. The porter was so dazzled he could hardly believe that he heard her aright, but he shouldered his basket in hot haste, saying in himself, O oh, day of good luck! O oh, day of Allah's grace! and walked after her till she stopped at the door of a house. There she rapped, and presently came out to her an old man, a Nazarene, to whom she gave a gold piece, receiving from him in return what she required of strained wine, clear as olive oil and she set it safely in the hamper, saying, Lift and follow. Quoth the porter, This by Allah is indeed an auspicious day, a day propitious for the granting of all a man wisheth. He again hoisted up the crate and followed her, till she stopped at a fruiterer's shop, and bought from him shammy apples and Osmani quinces, and Omani peaches and cucumbers of Nile growth, and Egyptian limes and sultani oranges and citrons, besides alepine jasmine, scented myrtle berries, damascene nenuphars, flower of privet and chamomile, blood-red anemones, violets and pomegranate bloom, eglantine and narcissus, and set the whole in the porter's crate, saying, Up with it! So he lifted and followed her till she stopped at a butcher's booth, and said, Cut me off ten pounds of mutton. She paid him his price, and he wrapped it in a banana leaf, whereupon she laid it in the crate, and said, Hoist, O porter! He hoisted accordingly, and followed her as she walked on, till she stopped at a grocer's, where she bought dry fruits and pistachio kernels, tihama raisins, shelled almonds, and all wanted for dessert, and said to the porter, Lift and follow me. So he up with his hamper, and after her, till she stayed at the confectioner's, and she bought an earthen platter, and piled it with all kinds of sweetmeats in his shop, open-work tarts and fritters scented with musk, and soap-cakes, and lemon-loaves, and melon-preserves, and Zainab's combs, and ladies' fingers, and Kazi's titbits, and goodies of every description, and placed the platter in the porter's crate. Thereupon, quoth he, being a merry man, Thou shouldest have told me, and I would have brought with me a pony or a she-camel to carry all this market-stuff. She smiled, and gave him a little cuff on the nape, saying, Step out, and exceed not in words, for, Allah willing, thy wage will not be wanting. Then she stopped at a perfumer's, and took from him ten sorts of waters, rose scented with musk, orange flower, water-lily, willow flower, violet, and five others, and she also bought two loaves of sugar, a bottle for perfume spraying, a lump of male incense, aloe-wood, ambergris and musk, with candles of Alexandria wax, and she put the whole into the basket, saying, Up with thy crate, and after me. He did so, and followed until she stood before the greengrocers, of whom she bought pickled safflower, and olives in brine and in oil, with tarragon and cream cheese, and hard Syrian cheese, and she stowed them away in the crate, saying to the porter, Take up thy basket, and follow me. He did so, and went after her till she came to a fair mansion fronted by a spacious court, 
a tall, fine place, to which columns gave strength and grace, and the gate thereof had two leaves of ebony inlaid with plates of red gold. The lady stopped at the door, and turning her face-veil sideways, knocked softly with her knuckles, whilst the porter stood behind her, thinking of naught save her beauty and loveliness. Presently the door swung back, and both leaves were opened, whereupon he looked to see who had opened it, and, behold, it was a lady of tall figure, some five feet high, a model of beauty and loveliness, brilliance and symmetry, and perfect grace. Her forehead was flower-white, her cheeks like the anemone, ruddy, bright. Her eyes were those of the wild heifer or the gazelle, with eyebrows like the crescent moon which ends Sha'aban and begins Ramadan. Her mouth was the ring of Suleiman, her lips coral-red, and her teeth like a line of strung pearls or of chamomile petals. Her throat recalled the antelopes, and her breasts, like two pomegranates of even size, stood at bay, as it were. Her body rose and fell in waves below her dress, like the rolls of a piece of brocade, and her navel would hold an ounce of benzoin ointment. In fine, she was like her, of whom the poet said, on sun and moon of palace cast thy sight, Enjoy her flower-like face, her fragrant light. Thine eyes shall never see in hair so black, Beauty encase a brow so purely white. The ruddy rose-cheek proclaims her claim, Though fail her name, whose beauties we indite. As sways her gait I smile at hips so big, And weep to see the waist they bear so slight. When the porter looked upon her, his wits were waylaid, and his senses were stormed, so that his crate went nigh to fall from his head, and he said to himself, Never have I in my life seen a day more blessed than this day. Then quoth the lady portress to the lady cateress, Come in from the gate, and relieve this poor man of his load. So the provisioner went in, followed by the portress and the porter, and went on till they reached a spacious ground-floor hall, built with admirable skill, and beautified with all manner colours and carvings, with upper balconies, and groined arches, and galleries, and cupboards, and recesses whose curtains hung before them. In the midst stood a great basin full of water surrounding a fine fountain, and at the upper end, on the raised dais, was a couch of juniper wood, set with gems and pearls, with a canopy like mosquito curtains of red satin silk looped up with pearls as big as filberts and bigger. Thereupon sat a lady, bright of blee, with brow beaming brilliancy, the dream of philosophy, whose eyes were fraught with Babel's grammary, and her eyebrows were arched as for archery, her breath breathed ambergris and perfumery, and her lips were sugar to taste and carnelian to see. Her stature was straight as the letter E, and her face shamed the noon sun's radiancy, and she was even as a galaxy, or a dome with golden marquetry, or a bride displayed in choicest finery, or a noble maid of Araby. Right well of her sang the bard when he said, Her smiles twin rows of pearls display, chamomile buds or rimy spray, her tresses stray as night let down, and shames her light the dawn a day. The third lady, rising from the couch, stepped forward with graceful swaying gait, till she reached the middle of the saloon, when she said to her sisters, Why stand ye here? Take it down from this poor man's head. 
Then the cateress went and stood before him, and the portress behind him, while the third helped them, and they lifted the load from the porter's head, and emptying it of all that was therein, set everything in its place. Lastly they gave him two gold pieces, saying, Wend thy ways, O porter! But he went not, for he stood looking at the ladies, and admiring what uncommon beauty was theirs, and their pleasant manners and kindly dispositions. Never had he seen goodlier. And he gazed wistfully at that good store of wines and sweet-scented flowers and fruits and other matters. Also he marvelled with exceeding marvel, especially to see no man in the place, and delayed his going. Whereupon quoth the eldest lady, What aileth thee that goest not? Haply thy wage be too little? And turning to her sister, the cateress, she said, Give him another dinar. But the porter answered, By Allah, my lady, it is not for the wage. My hire is never more than two dirhams. But in very sooth my heart and my soul are taken up with you and your condition. I wonder to see you single, with ne'er a man about you, and not a soul to bear you company. And well you wot that the minaret toppleth over, unless it stand upon four and you want this same fourth. And women's pleasure without man is short of measure, even as the poet said. Cease not, we want for joy, four things all told, the harp and lute, the flute and flagellet, and be they companied with scents fourfold, rose, myrtle, anemone, and violet. Nor please all eight, and four thou wouldst withhold, good wine and youth, and gold, and pretty pet. You be there, and want a fourth, who shall be a person of good sense and prudence, smart-witted, and one apt to keep careful counsel. His words pleased and amused them much, and they laughed at him, and said, And who is to assure us of that? We are maidens, and we fear to entrust our secret where it may not be kept, for we have read in a certain chronicle the lines of one Ibn Asumam, Hold fast thy secret, and to none unfold. Lost is a secret, when that secret's told. And fail thy breast thy secret to conceal. How canst thou hope another's breast shall hold? And Abu Nawas said well on the same subject. Who trusteth secret to another's hand? Upon his brow deserveth burn of brand. When the porter heard their words, he rejoined, By your lives! I am a man of sense and a discreet, who hath read books and perused chronicles. I reveal the fair, and conceal the foul, and I act as the poet adviseth. None but the good a secret keep, and good men keep it unrevealed. It is to me a well-shut house, with keyless locks and door ensealed. When the maidens heard his verse, and its poetical application addressed to them, they said, Thou knowest that we have laid out all our monies on this place. Now say, hast thou aught to offer us in return for entertainment? For surely we will not suffer thee to sit in our company, and be our cup-companion, and gaze upon our faces so fair and so rare, without paying a round sum. Wottest thou not the saying? Sans hope of gain, love's not worth a grain. Whereto the lady portress added, If thou bring anything, thou art a something. If nothing, be off with thee, thou art a nothing. But the procuratrix interposed, saying, Nay, O my sisters, leave teasing him, for by Allah he hath not failed us this day, and had he been other, he never had kept patience with me, so whatever be his shot and scot, I will take it upon myself. The porter, overjoyed, kissed the ground before her, and thanked her, saying, By Allah, 
These monies are the first fruits this day hath given me. Hearing this, they said, Sit thee down, and welcome to thee. And the eldest lady added, By Allah, we may not suffer thee to join us, save on one condition, and this it is, that no questions be asked as to what concerneth thee not, and frowardness shall be soundly flogged. Answered the porter, I agree to this, my lady, on my head and my eyes be it. Look ye, I am dumb, I have no tongue. Then arose the provisioneress, and tightening her girdle, set the table by the fountain, and put the flowers and sweet herbs in their jars, and strained the wine, and ranged the flasks in row, and made ready every requisite. Then sat she down, she and her sisters, placing amidst them the porter, who kept deeming himself in a dream, and she took up the wine-flagon, and poured out the first cup, and drank it off, and likewise a second, and a third. After this she filled a fourth cup, which she handed to one of her sisters, and lastly she crowned a goblet, and passed it to the porter, saying, Drink the dear draught, drink free and fain, what healeth every grief and pain. He took the cup in his hand, and louting low, returned his best thanks, and improvised, Drain not the bowl, save with a trusty friend, a man of worth who's good and old, for wine like wind sucks sweetness from the sweet, and stinks when over stench it haply blow. Adding, Drain not the bowl, save from dear hand like thine, the cup recall thy gifts, thou gifts of wine. After repeating this couplet, he kissed their hands, and drank, and was drunk, and sat swaying from side to side, and pursued, All drinks wherein is blood, the law unclean, doth hold, save one, the blood shed of the vine. Fill, fill, take all my wealth bequeathed or won, thou fawn a willing ransom for those eyne. Then the cateress crowned a cup, and gave it to the portress, who took it from her hand, and thanked her, and drank. Thereupon she poured again, and passed to the eldest lady, who sat on the couch, and filled yet another, and handed it to the porter. He kissed the ground before them, and after drinking and thanking them, he again began to recite, Hear, hear, by Allah, hear, cups of the sweet, the dear, fill me a brimming bowl, the fount of life I spear. Then the porter stood up before the mistress of the house, and said, O lady, I am thy slave, thy mameluke, thy white thrall, ah, thy very bondsman. And he began reciting, A slave of slaves there standeth at thy door, lording thy generous boons and gifts galore. Beauty, may he come in a while to joy thy charms, for love and I part nevermore. She said to him, Drink, and health and happiness attend thy drink. So he took the cup and kissed her hand, and recited these lines in sing-song. I gave her brave old wine that like her cheeks blushed red, or flame from furnace flaring up. She bust the brim and said with many a smile, How durst thou deal folk's cheek for folk to sup? Drink, said I, these are tears of mine, whose tinct, is heart-blood, sighs have boiled in the cup. She answered him in the following couplet, And tears of blood for me, friend, thou hast shed, Suffer me sup them by thy head and eyes. Then the lady took the cup and drank it off to her sister's health, and they ceased not drinking, the porter being in the midst of them, 
and dancing and laughing and reciting verses and singing ballads and ritornellos. All this time the porter was carrying on with them, kissing, toying, biting, handling, groping, fingering, whilst one thrust a dainty morsel in his mouth and another slapped him, and this cuffed his cheeks and that threw sweet flowers at him, and he was in the very paradise of pleasure, as though he were sitting in the seventh sphere among the houris of heaven. They ceased not doing after this fashion until the wine played tucks in their heads and worsted their wits, and when the drink got the better of them, the portress stood up and doffed her clothes till she was mother naked. However, she let down her hair about her body by way of a shift, and throwing herself into the basin, disported herself, and dived like a duck, and swam up and down, and took water in her mouth, and spurted it all over the porter, and washed her limbs, and between her breasts, and inside her thighs, and all around her navel. Then she came up out of the cistern, and throwing herself on the porter's lap, said, O oh my lord, O oh my love, what callest thou this article? Pointing to her slit, her solution of continuity. I call that thy cleft, quoth the porter, and she rejoined, Wah, wah, art thou not ashamed to use such a word? And she caught him by the collar, and soundly cuffed him. Said he again, Thy womb, thy vulva. And she struck him a second slap, crying, Oh, fie, fie, this is another ugly word. Is here no shame in thee? Quoth he, Thy coint. And she cried, Oh, thou art wholly destitute of modesty, and thumped and bashed him. Then cried the porter, Thy clitoris! Whereat the eldest lady came down upon him with a yet sorer beating, and said, No! And he said, Tis so! And the porter went on calling the same commodity by sundry other names, but whatever he said they beat him more and more, till his neck ached and swelled with the blows he had gotten. And on this wise they made him a butt and a laughing-stock, at last he turned upon them, asking, And what do you women call this article? Whereto the damsel made answer, The basil of the bridges, cried the porter. Thank Allah for my safety. Aid me, and be thou propitious, O basil of the bridges. They passed round the cup, and tossed off the bowl again, when the second lady stood up, and stripping off all her clothes, cast herself into the cistern, and did as the first had done. Then she came out of the water, and throwing her naked form on the porter's lap, pointed to her machine, and said, O light of mine eyes, do tell me what is the name of this concern? He replied as before, Thy slit. And she rejoined, Hath such term no shame for thee? And cuffed him, and buffeted him, till the saloon rang with the blows. Then quoth she, O oh, fie, fie, how canst thou say this without blushing? He suggested, the basil of the bridges. But she would not have it, and said, No, no, and struck him, and slapped him on the back of the neck. Then he began calling out all the names he knew, Thy slit, thy womb, thy coint, thy clitoris. And the girls kept on saying, No, no. So he said, I stick to the basil of the bridges. And all the three laughed, till they fell on their backs, and laid slaps on his neck, and said, No, no, that's not its proper name. Thereupon he cried, O oh, my sisters, what is its name? And they replied, What sayest thou to the husked sesame seed? Then the cateress donned her clothes, and they fell again to carousing, but the porter kept moaning, Oh, and oh, for his neck and shoulders, 
and the cut passed merrily round and round again for a full hour. After that time the eldest and handsomest lady stood up and stripped off her garments, whereupon the porter took his neck in hand and rubbed and shampooed it, saying, My neck and shoulders are on the way of Allah. Then she threw herself into the basin and swam and dived, sported and washed. And the porter looked at her naked figure, as though she had been a slice of the moon, and at her face with the sheen of Luna when at full, or like the dawn when it brighteneth and he noted her noble stature and shape, and those glorious forms that quivered as she went, for she was naked as the Lord made her. Then he cried, Alack, alack, and began to address her, versifying in these couplets. If I liken thy shape to the bough when green, my likeness errs, and I saw mistake it, for the bough is fairest when clad the most, and thou art fairest when mother naked. When the lady heard his verses, she came up out of the basin, and seating herself upon his lap and knees, pointed to her genitry, and said, O oh, my lordling, what be the name of this? Quoth he, The basil of the bridges. But she said, Bah, bah. Quoth he, The husked sesame. Quoth she, Poor, poor. Then said he, Thy womb. And she cried, Fie, fie, art thou not ashamed of thyself? And cuffed him on the nape of the neck and whatever name he gave, declaring, "'Tis so, she beat him and cried, "'No, no!' till at last he said, "'O oh, my sisters, and what is its name?' She replied, "'It is entitled the Khan of Abu Mansur.' Whereupon the porter replied, "'Ha-ha! Oh, Allah be praised for safe deliverance, O Khan of Abu Mansur!' Then she came forth and dressed, and the cut went round a full hour, at last the porter rose up, and stripping off all his clothes, jumped into the tank, and swam about and washed under his bearded chin and armpits, even as they had done. Then he came out and threw himself into the first lady's lap, and rested his arms upon the lap of the portress, and reposed his legs in the lap of the cateress, and pointed to his prickle, and said, O oh, my mistresses, what is the name of this article? All laughed at his words, till they fell on their backs, and one said, thy pintle. But he replied, No, and gave each one of them a bite by way of forfeit. Then said they, Thy pizzle. But he cried, No, and gave each of them a hug. And Shahrazad perceived the dawn of the day, and ceased saying her permitted say. End of section six of the Book of a Thousand Nights and a Night, volume one.